started. You've got to get a shot of. Okay. Because, all right. So. And you just. There you go. Yep. Okay. Welcome to session three of Staying in Freedom. So, here's what I entitled it, Entering His Rest. Now, um, the word that I had originally gotten for this week, so remember how I told you guys, I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me five words specifically. So, the word was actually dreams. And what, how I ended up with this title, I was like, only God. Because you would not think that the title of what it means to enter God's rest can tie into dreams. But when I um, spoke to God and asked him what dreams was, um, I knew that he was telling me it was from the desires of his heart. Like having your heart unveiled, what we talked about last week, an unveiling of your heart in order that your heart is in line with his heart. And so that your desires are in line with his desires come his dreams being your dreams. So all of staying in freedom is about tapping into the heart of the Father, connecting to the heart of the Father in a different way. So staying in freedom is the tools of, of getting free and staying free, grabbing hold of them, using them, using them to fight, using them to stand. Staying in freedom is how we stay in freedom as we tap into who God is and what is the process of knowing who God is. And so as he's been showing me and he gives me each message um, after he gives me the last. I don't know it ahead of time, and I think that's good because I think I'd be overwhelmed by way too much information inside of me, especially with doing living in freedom. So all I knew is that last week, it was about facing the veil because week one, or session one, is strongholds. So it was talking about how our human reasoning, lie-based belief system, based on something we've been through, um, creates the stronghold, right? And so in the stronghold is the wall. Is the wall is the part of our heart that we block out from God getting into. Um, and the thing is, is that as Christians, we think that God's in every part of our heart. But yet in Ephesians, it says, as you trust in him, he makes his home in your heart. And so, um, so then we know that there's a, a step we have to take, which is trusting in him. So I'm going into this further now. So week one, we wanted to identify what is something we've been through that has created a belief system, that has created a trauma, that has created the, the stronghold that has blocked him out of an area of our heart. Session two was the veil. Now the veil I'm also using as a representation as, as, as the wall of the stronghold, okay? So the veil is not the experience, isn't the thing you went through, the veil is the lie. The veil is the thing that covers your heart, that covers your mind. Um, and so now I'm tying in this message, I'm going deeper in into not really talking on the veil, I'm gonna talk on it a little bit, but I'm talking on once the veil is removed, what it is to enter into his rest. So I'm going to be tying in now, what's the step after the veil is removed? So we have to identify the veil. We have to identify the experience. We have to identify the things that have happened in our life that have created the lies, that have created the veils, that have created the resistance to the, um, the spirit of God, the knowing God, the encountering God, the part of our heart that's been hardened. So what I'm going to be going into now is going to be talking about um, the heart, that how it gets hardened, and how that keeps you from entering his rest. And I'm going to be going back to the Old Testament. Um, well, I'm going to be referring back to something in the Old Testament out of Hebrews. But really, this is still, this is still based on um, 
Ephesians. So this curriculum is really based on Ephesians, but I'm using a whole bunch of scripture in it. So we're still staying in the scripture as um, to, let's see, sorry, I pray that the eyes of your heart, your inner self may be enlightened in order that you would know the hope to which he has called you. Hope also translated as trust to which he has called you. Called translated into your invitation. So the, um, that you would know and trust in, in, in this invitation. So there's an invitation. So the invitation to salvation. So there's been an invitation. See, the Holy Spirit isn't forcing something on us. And you know what happens is that we think that the, that the Holy Spirit is forcing everything into our hearts. And this is just not true. It's not true. We can accept God into our hearts, but we can block him out of parts of our heart. Because if, if, if that wasn't true, then why is he saying that parts of our heart can be blinded? And the, part, and the heart being um, translated as your inner self. And the more I'm going to dig into this, we're going to look at what um, Paul talks about in a hardening of the heart, what David talks about in a hardening of the heart, to go deeper into the heart and what it means to have every ounce of your heart filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit in order that pain, lies, are uprooted and removed so that we operate out of the Father's heart. So I really am hitting hard with these Ephesians scriptures because I want these to be the scriptures that you literally are holding on through this um, through this experience of staying in freedom and through your just life. I want it to be your daily prayer that you're asking God to enlighten your heart that you would have revelation of who he is through this process. Okay, so now we're going to hop into um, the Hebrews 4, 1 through 3. And six and seven. So here, um, Hebrews, they don't know the exact author. Most people um, believe it is Paul. So whoever wrote this, believe it's Paul who wrote this. He is referring back to the Old Testament and he's referring back to Moses and he's talking about rest. When rest is talked about in the Old Testament, it's actually talked about as being um, the promised land. So talking about when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they went into the, the, the desert, the wilderness for the 40 years. And then they um, were to enter the promised land. But you know that things happened that kept them from entering the, the promised land, which was talked about as mistrust and the hardening of their hearts, which kept them from entering it. So let's read the scripture. It says, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share in the faith of those who listen to God. For only we believe can enter his rest. So here's the thing about rest in, in this Hebrew scripture. There's different types of rest referring to. So I'm not going to go into the whole thing of all the different types of rest. Rest referring to Canaan, the promised land. Um, rest referring to... Um, God's rest and then I believe that there was there's like three or four different types of rest um, that he's talking about here so I'm taking this scripture like I always do and I'm just giving you a way to apply it and how we can use this is what it means to experience and go into the promises of God in order to experience him in every part of our heart <clears throat> so he talks about that um, some of them fail to experience it 
and because they did not share in the faith. And so he goes on to talk about a hardening of hearts. So he says, so God's rest is there for people to enter. For those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God said another time for entering this rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted, today when you hear my voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, why he talks about a hardening of the hearts is because what happened with the Israelites is that their hearts were hardened through not trusting in God. So multiple things were happening to prove that God was um, there, was present, was dropping food from the sky, was making water come out of a rock um, when Moses hit it, was doing all these things to, to show that his presence was there, and yet they did not believe in him. And because of that, the first generation did not enter into the rest. Now, the rest, the promised land, is also a symbolism of the rest that we get through salvation, which is a whole other thing. It's, you know, the, it's like the types and shadows that you have in the Word of God um, that it's going to represent when Jesus came, the rest that we would receive through salvation. Now, people will read this scripture, and I hear, like, you know, we always talk about oh, I'm trying to rest in God and I'm resting and, and take it and like, not like, I don't know if it's filter it or really dig into what it actually means and what we, how we can actually use this from our day to day. Because you would think that when it says, don't harden your hearts, that we would look at this and say, well, that's for non-Christians. Non-Christians harden their hearts. That's not for us. I've clearly given my heart to God. And we all of a sudden filter out how we can be responsible in this scripture. Um, now, just like in 2 Corinthians, when I talk, when we, when he talks about the veil, I'm going to go to it really quick because I read this last week and here's how I want to tie this in because what kept, um, what, what created the veil on their mind? So, so Paul says in this, I'm hopping into second Corinthians. It's, it's on the other curriculum, but just listen to me because I don't, I didn't put it on this one. Um, it says, hold on. And the same veil that covers their minds and so that they cannot, um, oh yeah, sorry. Whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. Now what he's referring to is that when the law was being read, that the veil of the law, the removal of Jesus, because really when you look at the law, there's so much to understand about the Mosaic law, about that and what they, and what they lived under in the Old Testament. But really, really what the law comes down to is that it wasn't the sacrifice of Jesus yet. Right, so we weren't living in the in the grace dispensation. So they were living in a place of works. So when the law was being read, there was a veil that covered their minds, and their hearts were hardened from that. So what I'm getting into in the case, like I've been building on this, is that there's areas of your heart that we live in a place that we do not allow Jesus into. It's operating out of a place that is not allowing his sacrifice to have come in and literally taken over and ripped out every pain because of the cross that he carried. So there's areas of our life and areas of our heart that we carry the cross of Jesus. And in that reason comes strongholds, comes lies, comes blocking out the light. So in those areas is where darkness lives, is in those areas is where um, the enemy can grab root and hold in an area of your life. And then you see a result of it. So you see fear, you see anxiety, you see how you function in a weird way because of that place that you have a hardening of your heart. You have an area that has been blinded to your heart. And so part of resting is your heart not being hardened. It's where we have allowed Jesus 
to take full residence of every area of your heart. An interesting illustration to this, and I'm gonna figure out how to tie this in because when I was reading it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good, but I don't know how exactly I'm gonna tie that in. But so two times, and the reason I use like Moses and the Old Testament so much is because you find that in the, talking about the veil that Paul talks about, and in Hebrews, whoever talked about this rest, He's talking about Moses and both of them. So there's something very significant of talking about the Israelites and the hardening of the heart and the disbelief that they had. Um, there's something very significant to it. The fact that they always refer back to that. So I want to take the same illustration and, and go back to, to that because really Moses was supposed to be a type and shadow of Jesus and who was to come in. That, um, the, the, like the things that happened in the wilderness and that Moses walked through were types and shadows of the sacrifice of Jesus. So one of them was, um, at one of the points that they were there for 40 years, there was a time that God told Moses to go and hit his rod on a rock and water would come forth. Now, when he would hit the rod on the, on the rock, um, the water was representing salvation. So what he was having Moses show the people is the hope of salvation, right? And the rod signifying Jesus being crucified, being hit one time, taking the punishment. So God being punished for their sins would produce the water of salvation. Now, this was a type and shadow, and you know, because Paul talks about this, that Jesus was the rock, okay? So then, further later, what happens is the Israelites get into that place again, and God tells Moses to, to go and speak to the rock, and water would come out. Now, the only thing is that they cannot prove that this was necessarily a type of, um, a, a type of, uh, like, a shadow, like the previous one, but because it's the same original language, they pretty much believe that this was a meaning to the second time Moses hits it. So he tells them to speak to the rock. What they, what they say and believe that it was supposed to signify a prayer for salvation. So the first time was Jesus being punished. One time Jesus is punished, salvation comes forward. The second time was to be a prayer of salvation. So so that is also to it's supposed to signify something to yourself too. Like the prayer that we are to have in in salvation. And so anyways, Moses doesn't listen. Moses gets angry and he ends up hitting the rock twice. And here's the thing, God is so faithful, and even though Moses disobeyed, the water still came out, okay? So the water still came out of the rock, but Moses took, um, he took, he said, he said it like he was the one doing the miracle, basically. Like, he, he, he did it all wrong. We'll just put it like that. But God's so good that the water still came out. But you know what happened after that? Moses wasn't able to enter the promised land. So he ended up there dying in the wilderness with that same generation. Now, here's how I want to tie that in. The representation of Jesus as that rock being hit and punished one time was a finished and done deal, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. When he came in as if hitting the rock twice, and they believed that it was almost as it was like a blasphemous thing, that, that Moses was doing what had already been finished and done and was told to respond to this rock differently. That it's as if the way that we can take the sacrifice of Jesus and we can respond and not take it for the significance that it is. So we can have areas of our life that we respond to the sacrifice of Jesus right. There's maybe the hope and the joy and the really the area that you feel close to God in. And then you have this other area that you have blocked out. And what have you done? You've sat there and you've taken and hit the rock twice. You've acted as if Jesus Christ's sacrifice was not good enough the first time that it happened. That you didn't allow now Jesus to carry 
all the stuff that you've been through by coming into your heart. I know for me that the way that I looked at Jesus' sacrifice, and I know a lot of Christians look at this this way, do we really fully embrace and understand the suffering of it? Because, you know, to be honest, I'm going to give you one response I've had to the sacrifice of Jesus, is that he endured death, but look what I've endured. I've endured so much. Can you really relate to all the death I've been through? And I'm going to tell you, and some of you go, oh my gosh, like how could you have a thought like that? I promise you, you have all, we've all had those thoughts inside that we put on ourselves that we just went through. You know, you know, probably Jesus can really understand, right? And if you look at the sacrifice of Jesus, that not only did he give up his life and endure death to the cross, the most despicable type of death, the rejection, the abuse that he went through, it wasn't just that. And I think that's what we get stuck to on his sacrifice and what he endured. That part of the enduring was also that he endured hell. And he endured a complete severing of relationship with the Father. A complete severing. So he went to a place that we will never, ever, 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 ever feel. But yet we've chosen to take parts of our heart and block him out. And we are actually living in that hell in parts of our heart and we don't realize it. We're not living in the sacrifice. We're not living in the rest of Jesus. We're not living in the full and experience of the sacrifice of Jesus. I'm going to cut and we'll restart. What time are we at? There, there was three minutes left. Okay. That's good because I was going to go to another, um, I'm going to go to another scripture anyways. So we were gone, we did 17 minutes in. Okay. Let me know when you're ready. So this will be the end of it. We won't need to start it again. Okay. Okay. So go ahead and start. <coughs> So I want to read Philippians 3, 8, and 11 because I want to talk about how Paul looks at the sacrifice of Jesus and looking at the suffering, the experience of Jesus in a different way in order that we can allow him to come into every part of our heart so that our heart is not hardened and keeping us from entering the promises of the Father. So... Philippians 3, 8 through 11 says, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Okay, knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Do you know how many scriptures that Paul wrote knowing God, knowing Christ Jesus? The first scripture that I talk about with the strongholds on week one, it says that we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. He talks about in, in Ephesians that you would have wisdom and revelation so that you would know him. He prays that you will have um, be rooted and established in love so you will know his love. Like how much he's referring to, why do you think he harps on that? Why do you think that he continues to harp on what it is to know him? He wouldn't harp on it if there wasn't an element of something that can harden our hearts that keep us from knowing him. He wouldn't harp on it. I think that he refers so much back to um, the Jews coming out and in, into the promised land and the hardening of the hearts and the veils over the eyes because he knows the resistance to knowing God. He knows it, and so he, he harps on it. So, keep going down. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. So you can become one with him. It talks about, he talks so much about being in him. Christ in us, us in him. 
But the thing is, is you and I are not fully in him unless he has gotten into every single area of our heart. We can't fully be there. If there is a hardening of the heart, it's the resistance to his presence. So, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. I think that one thing is that we don't realize that there are things that we do that is just like the Jews did that went to a place of law. There's things that we can remind ourselves of in our past that will immediately put up a veil of mistrust and misbelief and disbelief in God. The same way that when the Old Covenant was read, that a veil of the law came over the Jews. Um, it was basically Judaism came over them. It was a blinding. It was the removal of Jesus. I think that just guilt and shame and the, rem and the reminding of things in our past and the stuff that we sit there and talk to ourselves about, we sit there and we focus on and we do. We sit there and we create the wall. We create the veil. We Something starts to blind us. And puts as if the, they did with the law, how it blinded them. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Another thing, how much I harp on the identity in Christ and understanding your right standing is that we have to understand the, play, the, the, um, the position that we have and the position we've attained, but the invitation of it. So the, 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 the responsibility on our part. If anything, if anything that needs to be that I try to push into this messages is we have to see the gift and we've got to grab a hold of the gift. That's what this is all about. It's the invitation. It's what God has freely given us. Now, how do we grab hold of it, take hold of everything? I feel like my whole life, the enemy did everything to steal, steal the gifts of God, steal who God was, steal and steal and steal and steal, steal, kill and destroy. That's all he ever did to me and then blamed it on God. So if there's anything that I am, I get so excited and passionate about this stuff, you want to know why, guys? Because I see the result of it. I've seen the result in my own life. I've seen how much my life has changed. I've seen how my mindset has changed. I've seen the freedom that has happened from letting God into these areas of my heart that I just want more. If he tells me another area, he tells me things that he wants to do more in me, I want it. So he's, he, uh, I, okay, then he goes, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power. So the, here's what's interesting. He's saying, I want to know Christ. I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. But what goes along with that? I want to suffer with him. I want to share in his death so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Here's what I find interesting in this. So many of us, we stopped at the suffering. We stopped at the death and we never got to the resurrection. If we understood that the whole experience of the cross of Jesus is a whole experience, it's not just the one thing. We've gotten stuck in things in our own life, and those things in our life, we then remove the, the, what Jesus did in carrying the cross, and we remove the resurrection of the cross. We remove the life that's supposed to come after death. You know, we get stuck in the death. We've gotten stuck in the brokenness. We've gotten stuck in the trauma. And what have we done? We then, in my opinion, we slap Jesus in the face for what he has chosen to carry for us because we got stuck in those things. And instead of seeing just Jesus as, oh, I accept you into my heart. I give my life to Jesus, blah, 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 blah. No. What does it mean to suffer with him? What does it mean to be put to death with him? What does it mean to be resurrected to life with him? What does that whole thing mean? What was Paul saying? Paul suffered so much to, 
get the gospel out for people to know God. What drove him? What was his passion? What drove him? It's because he knew him. It's the same thing. Why Jesus was so driven to fulfill the will of the Father. It's because he knew him. It's because he knew him. It would change our whole way of how we looked at life when we get into that position that Jesus, that I choose Jesus too, I want to experience your life in that way and I want to let you come in and I want to take your sacrifice and I don't want it to be used in a blasphemous way in any part of my life. And the reason I say it like that is because I've literally seen when I've done inner healing and deliverance on people and there's things I take people through like prayers and to get more of their healing and stuff. And I've seen resistance of not being able to get them necessarily to the place until they enter this place. And here's what I'm saying. One of them was that they couldn't receive forgiveness. And this is why I harp on the things of the cross and how it is a blasphemous thing about things that we block God out of and that we don't allow Jesus to carry. It's because he endured all that to carry it and then we choose to pull it back from him. And he doesn't force himself on us, and he's not going to force himself into our hearts. He didn't force himself in, on the Israelites. Their, the, the, the consequences of their actions kept them from experiencing the blessings and the promises. And I think that we have experiences in our life, and we blame God, and we harp on him. And some of the stuff is a result of generational things. We've had family lines and we've had family members who have lived in disbelief, who've had the hardening of the hearts, who have had these things. And just like the 12 spies that were supposed to go into the promised land and they had to stay back because 10 of them didn't believe, but two of them did. You have been the two in the family line and you're the one carrying it on and standing to go into the promised lands. And so God says, I am giving you this invitation. Maybe people before you said no. Maybe people in your line decided to sin and go against me. And you've had to reap some of those results because of that. But this invitation is still for you and it's still for your family line going down. And so maybe your fight is a little bit harder because of the generational stuff. Because, you know, I have seen family lines where it just, they look so dandy and everybody's been in ministry and they all love Jesus. They were raised in the church knowing how to, the love of God, the right love of God. And you see them, you know, I don't know if you've guys seen it. I've seen it, especially going to Bible school. I saw it. And I remember just being like, I did not get it. And I had resentment. I had anger towards people like that. Um, but you know what? I know that I am going to be the two um, spies that didn't that were held back and then got to go into the promised land and got to see the promises and maybe I had to reap some results from stuff previously in my line but I know that that invitation still stands for me and it may have been a harder life for me and I may have endured a lot more because I had a lot of things stolen but I'm still going after it and sometimes I need I believe that the Lord wants us to see that in our life and instead of we instead of getting pulled back getting pulled back into the wilderness and pulled back into the place of bondage, that we continue to fight and go forward and go after those things. Um, and okay, go right, go back. Cause I was telling a story. I went, I was telling a story about, okay, the prayer and seeing somebody not able to get to a place because they wouldn't accept forgiveness. I remember taking this specific person and saying, you need to verbalize. I receive your forgiveness. Because the guilt and shame was hindering them so much that they could only beg God. 
So in the prayer, they kept begging God, and I kept saying, no, I need you to say, I receive your forgiveness. I lay this, Jesus, now at your feet, what I took from you that you wanted to carry. I'm laying it. Please take it from me. Please take it from me and come into this area of my heart. It literally took like 10 minutes to get the words out of their mouth because that guilt and shame was so rooted, was so rooted, and that was the hardening of the heart. And you wouldn't think it was because you think you're just, you're just, um, you're just doing what you should do out of guilt. You you have to carry that stuff for God. You messed up and you have to carry it. And that's just what it's supposed to be. When you don't actually understand that that's actually an element of hardening your heart. Because that's an element of not allowing Jesus into that area. And in so that area, then the Holy Spirit can't get into. And in that, then there could be strongholds. You have the shame, you have the guilt. You don't know what can come out of shame and guilt. You can have anxiety, you can have fear, you can have anger. You can have addictions. You can have all this stuff coming out of that shame and guilt. But the area of the heart that's underneath is the area that God wants in and you haven't let him in because you've been begging him for forgiveness for the last few years. And you haven't sat there and said, I ask you one time, I, I ask you because I am laying this before you. You know, a lot of, I believe, a confession of your sins is just God knows that you sinned and you messed up. But it's to lay it out there just to let Jesus grab it and pick it up for you. And instead, people go sit there and they go, oh, and I'm going to remind God over and God's like, what are you doing? Like, I forgot a long time ago. Stop telling me about it. At this point, can you let my son carry it and pick up, pick this up for you? And so that we can move on in our lives, please. <laughs> I so think God talks like that. <laughs> or maybe it's just how I talk, but I can totally hear him that way. Be like, come on, like pull it together, you know. But I, I think, I actually think, he grieves it. I think it makes him's heart cry. I honestly do. I think the whole, I think when it says about don't grieve the Holy Spirit by the way you live, Paul says that there's a lot of ways we can live that can grieve the Holy Spirit and a hardening of the heart and not allowing Jesus to carry that cross. I think has got to be one of the most painfulest things for God to to see that He gave all this up so that we could live free and that we still go back and decide to pick it up. So what is it to go in and experiencing the suffering so that we can experience the resurrection of the life? What is it to go into the rest and experiencing the rest? So what... What I want to what I want to see happen is like well not me want to see happen but of of staying in freedom what this journey is is we identify the veil so we identify which we're identifying I don't know one a couple of them this is a tool this is all staying in freedom is it is a tool so that you stay in a place of this so you stay in a place every day you stay in a place of God is there a veil is there something that is hindering me from your presence Father I want to experience all of your presence in everyday type of thing so it's identifying the veil it's identifying the beliefs it's identifying the thing that is locking God out of it now we want to go into that rest so we want to experience that rest to get past it. Once you identify it, then you can ask him into your heart. Now, part of this homework for, for this week, and I gave you, I don't have it on here, but there's a couple prayers in this. These prayers are so specific, you guys, and I believe that they're, they're just completely from the Holy Spirit on all these. You Please pray them out loud. Some of this stuff literally comes right out of prayers I take people through in inner healing type one-on-one um, -on -one sessions of what they have to say to allow the Holy Spirit in. Because again, he's not going to force himself in. We have to invite him in, okay? We have to ask him to come in. And so these prayers are very specific into asking Oh, the Holy Spirit asking Jesus into that area of your heart, but also laying it before Jesus. And you know what? I have people visualize that stuff. I have people visualize putting it down. 
Oh, I'm going to give you an example. I knew this happened for this example. That is so funny. When this happened to me today, I was like, this was so random. God, I, I bet you're doing this to me because I'm going to have to tell that tonight. And it just came in totally is <laughs> because it's not like I want to sit there and always tell you guys like my most personal, like emotional stuff with God. But I think sometimes he specifically shows me stuff like around ministry times because he wants me to show you guys like how and to relate to it. Because this was so random. Why, why this today? Because I was just praying about this stuff and all of a sudden... I started thinking about my sister and you know that I talked about how the last six months I felt God was telling me that was the area in my heart and I was like I didn't cry and grieve for days and days but doesn't mean there, ha there wasn't some sadness that came up in it. I just randomly had this thought about her on her, her deathbed. I literally never share stuff like this but um, I was saying goodbye to her and I'm like where is this coming from because of course it brought grief up in my, in, in my heart like thinking about it but I knew that it was Holy Spirit led so I went with it and I um, I don't remember okay so I had completely forgotten and literally don't think I've had a memory of this since she died this was 15 years ago that she died I all of a sudden had a had uh, so I was going into prayer and I felt like the Holy that Jesus was prompting me about her being in the room and saying goodbye to her. They were going to take her off the ventilator and with the family there. And I would not, I would not be there. There's no way I would sit and watch them take her off the ventilator. So I went by into the room by myself and like said my goodbyes to her. So in um, that, I was in that room today and he took me to that place. And all of a sudden I saw Jesus in the room and he was, so the bed's like here and I was on this side and he was on the other side next to the IV. I clearly saw him showing me he was in that room when I did it. And I have not had this memory in 15 years. I bent over and kissed her forehead and I forgot I ever kissed her forehead. And in that vision, he was kissing my forehead when I was kissing hers. And I literally was stopped dead in my tracks today because I have not remembered I kissed her forehead. I've never remembered that. I was on morphine. I was on lots of drugs during those times. I had no memory of that. And the fact that I knew that was God because to take me to that place that I kissed her forehead and I don't remember doing it and then it hit me and that he was there kissing mine. And the reason that I tell this story, you guys, is because... There's things that we go through and pain that we have and trauma that we have and we don't think Jesus was there and we don't think God was there in the pain and then when it happened we went to it and we cut him off and we cut ourselves out of it and one of the most painful things has been to go to that room, go to that area and think about my sister because it's a gut-wrenching feeling when you've lost somebody. It literally makes you want to vomit. You don't know how to feel that pain and that I know that Jesus was just saying I was there and like how much it pained him. And so part of like this homework and what I say and why I'm so specific with you literally putting it before Jesus, there's something very significant to that. And I promise you there is. It's going to that place, whatever he reveals to you that keeps you from a place of rest. That whatever that is and whatever that experience is, whatever that stronghold is, that you ask in your prayer, you say, Jesus, where were you? In that, give me a picture of where you were at. And in that, you let Jesus into that room so that he can carry that pain. And part of that prayer, also on your homework, is that I say um, that you need to hand it to him. I want you to literally visualize yourself giving something to Jesus and letting him in and letting him carry it. Because when he comes in, and you allow him to carry it, stuff is going to start moving and shifting in your heart. Things are going to start opening up. Vulnerability, things that you maybe have never felt 
Maybe there's feelings that you've actually been so scarred to that you don't have real feelings and you don't know it. And I know some of you know deep pain and understand what that means. That you've had something so deep happen to you that there's an area of your life that actually, you know when a scar is on a wound that there's a different feeling when you touch the scar than when you touch the skin. And that there's things that we can actually act out of because of the scar. We don't have real feelings to things. We don't. I mean, I can't tell you how long I've been stone cold with emotions in my past where I don't know how to cry. I didn't know how to grieve. I didn't know how to be sensitive. I didn't know how to be empathetic because I was so scarred that I didn't feel the same way. And there's going to be parts of your heart that are so scarred that you don't have your really God-given emotions of his sensitivity and his heart because of it. And then when he comes into that pain and you allow Jesus into that room, all of a sudden the scarring is gone and the heart is enlightened. And the eyes of the heart are enlightened. And then that heart operates out of the Spirit, operates out of the Holy Spirit. And then feelings are his feelings. Emotions are his emotions. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be empathetic. It's okay to have sorrow. But it's good to have joy. And joy is going to be the result of the healing of the heart is where those feelings and those emotions that have been so scarred, sometimes they don't allow joy. Not sometimes, they do not allow joy and hope. You can have elements of it. You cannot have it to the degree because of the scarring that goes on in the heart. And so part of this now, entering into the rest, entering into every area of that heart being healed is where that heart gets healed and all of a sudden there's a rest in your soul you have not had in a very long time and you probably have never, ever had in your life. It's a feeling that you just have never experienced. And that's what this journey is going to take you into. Pause. We're done. Because you just had like 10 seconds. No, we were done. <laughs> so it was done? Yeah. I said, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. We literally finished, so. So you're okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Gal, that's just done. That's the Holy Spirit. Because it, it was, was like done. 10 seconds. I was like freaking out. I'm like, no, no, we ended know. right on. Okay. No, the only thing that will be different in that video is no, there was no prayer. But it'll be fine. I explained the homework. Everything's good. That was good. Yeah, it was really good. I was like crying back here. Yeah, I was too. I heard a lot of songs. Yes, I, I was too. Man, that was, um, yeah. It was right on. I gotta stop this.